And please turn in your New Testaments to Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Colossians 1, 24 through 29. As we're kind of ramping up toward our missions festival, it's a great passage to do that. And uh, just to let you know, in the second service, there will be not one, not two, three, but four baptisms. Yes, the baby boom continues at Highlands. I think I think I told you all there were I think it was 18 children in utero at one time last year. Uh, They're all being born now and more on the way. So uh, I'm sorry we don't have any for you this morning, but we just wanted you to know that that sign of the covenant, that means of grace would be given in the second service. But let's turn now to this means of grace called the word of God. Colossians 1, 24, now I rejoice, Paul says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission. God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect, mature in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works in me. I'm reading a book by Eugene Peterson called The Pastor. In fact, uh, all your uh, pastors on staff are reading that book. And um, I remember in chapter 33, I think it was, the, the fact that he was leading a class and a little group of 11 people, and it was a class to, to teach them about how Christianity is not just a Sunday thing, that there's, there's no holy and sacred barrier, that everything is holy. Everything is done under the Lordship of Christ. And so there were exercises that the, the people in this group would do to discover how their ordinary life was ministry in the name of Jesus. And fascinating to hear how he details some of the answers um, of different people uh, in the group and where they came from. But there was a lady who, who spoke of how, and I want you to think in your mind of, of a nursing home for a moment. She, she spoke of how um, she could see the battered body of Jesus in an old man and she helped him walk and get to where he needed to go. Uh, she, it wasn't that the old man was Jesus, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren. You've done it unto me, Jesus says. She went on to say how she wiped the spittle away from Jesus' face in the face of an old woman. And she talked about how she did this every week for hours at a time. And there were times she didn't want to go back, but she wanted to serve even though it costs. And lots of people are like that. I watched the, the movie Courageous this week. I finally got around to watching it. Uh, people asked me 
eternally. Have you watched this movie, that movie? No, no, no. So I went ahead and watched it. And uh, I, I tell you, a scene that I, I really liked in that movie had to do with the, the main character who's a policeman and, and he's lost his daughter and they're going through incredible grieving. And they're, they're in his den. And he's really trying to find his relationship with the Lord again and, and walk with God and he has to make a decision, and the decision is, don't worry, I won't give away too much if you had not seen it, but the decision is whether he's going to turn in his fellow policeman for taking evidence, which happened to be drugs, and selling the drugs and making the money off of it. And he says to his wife, he says, you know, and she says, do you sure you want to do that? It's, I mean, do you realize how painful that's going to be? Do you realize the process? Do you realize how it's just going to bring scorn on the police force? He's just in his heart wrestling and he says and his son is right around the corner listening and he's not aware that his son is listening and his son hears him say you know i don't care what it costs i'm going to do the right thing there are people who do that there's a young person who this very weekend said no thank you no thank you to the pressure to compromise his faith and i'll tell you something about that young person he was ridiculed he was ridiculed for being Mr. Christian, goody two-shoes. And he took his hits, all the while raising the spiritual temperature of the people around him. And he'll take his hits again, kindly, for Jesus. There are people in this sanctuary here today that will literally give 10% of their income to the kingdom of God. How strange is that? And they will give, in addition to this, missions. While the people around them run up so much consumer debt and spend all of their money on themselves, they would love to spend more of their money on themselves. They would love to enjoy the benefit of that money on themselves. But they have decided to sacrifice. There are people like that. There's a believer right now in the Middle East who was asked why his life is different, and he's having to make up his mind whether he's going to give the actual reason for the hope that is within him. And he realizes that if that's an informant, he's going to jail, he's going to pay for years, and he could lose his life. And he knows in his heart he's going to talk about Jesus. Why? Why keep wiping spittle off of old ladies' faces? Why, why be so sacrificial? Why take a hit? And keep taking hits. Why give your money? Why, why risk your life? Why do all these things that are so sacrificial? Why, why bring your suffering on yourself? Because it's worth it. That's what Paul says. Paul says this. And I would like to work off of this sentence today. We are willing to sacrifice and suffer so that Others can come to Christ and grow in Christ. Let me say that again. We are willing to sacrifice and suffer as believers so that others may come to Christ and grow in Christ. Let's begin with this idea of our willingness to sacrifice and suffer for the sake of Jesus. Verse 29, Now I rejoice in what I suffered for you. I'm happy about my choice of suffering for you. 
Verse 29, and I, listen to these words, fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. I do this for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul rejoices in his sufferings, not only willing to suffer, wants to suffer. Glad when he suffers. Now please understand, this is not a sermon on random suffering in a fallen world. That happens to everybody, (laughs) okay? You know, this isn't something that the culture would call karma or something, you know, that just happens to you because of whatever nebulous reason is out there. We know we live in a fallen world. We know there's heartbreak. We know there's suffering, right? No, but that's not what this is about. This is about intentional suffering. And the suffering that comes directly from the discipleship, meaning being a follower of Jesus, discipleship choices that we make as followers of Jesus. This is radical stuff in 2011 in an individualistic world that we would actually suffer for other people and for a higher purpose and deny ourselves We are willing to suffer for the advance of the kingdom of Christ. Paul says, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. How do we know that Paul is true about this? Well, we read about his sufferings all through his letters, correct? I won't go into the shipwrecks and the beatings and the stonings and the left for dead and all this. You know, it just goes on and on. But we know it in regard to this letter because it is from a Roman prison that Paul's writing this very letter. And he's not in prison there because he drove his camel too fast. He's in prison there because he spoke the gospel. And he kept on speaking the gospel. And he spoke the gospel when he was told not to by people. And there's a big thing with, with, with how he ended up to Rome that we won't get there. But trust me, it's because he has made a choice to advance the kingdom of Christ, and he is now paying a price, and he says, I'm glad. I rejoice that I'm suffering for you. But, but notice what he says next, and th- this is very strange to our ears, it should be. I now rejoice in what was suffered for you, here it is, that I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. I'm willing to fill up in my flesh the remaining afflictions of Christ. What does that mean? Well, we know it doesn't mean that Jesus' sufferings weren't complete enough to save us. When Jesus suffered for us on the cross and died and was pierced and and took our hell on the cross, when He said it is finished, it was finished. That's not what this is talking about. What, what this is talking about is the completion that we are a part of in our time on the stage of history now and Paul's time then, the completion of the mission that Jesus suffered to win that is not over. And folks, until He returns, there will be suffering and there must be suffering and we must choose it. We must choose self-denial. Because that's a part of what being a Christian is. If anyone would follow me, Jesus said, he must take up his cross daily. Deny himself. 
and follow me. I tell you, those words don't hit me any easier than they hit you, I promise you. But it's a part of the exciting dimension of being called into something greater than ourselves. Something that transcends this world and how God has entered time and how God's redemptive purposes are at work now. And I know Him and I want other people to know Him. The question is will it, whether you and I are willing to sacrifice and even suffer on purpose in the fulfilling of that mission. It's not over. Jesus told His disciples, look, if you, if you live out loud for Me, if you act out on the grace and love and truth I've given you, the world will hate you. Like the world hated Me. doesn't mean that, that you're some jerk that everybody hates. That's not what it means. It just means at the core, people don't want grace. They want control. Not surrender. They want to say that that Disney is right, we're good and it's all gonna, we're going to make it all right. Not that we are sinful and lost and wrecked and can never make it right, you see. The world hates me, Jesus said. If you're mine, you're going to suffer. The Lord's Prayer, last petition, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is about the pressure put on the life of anyone who is serious about the kingdom of God. Meaning it's not just the world that's going to hate you, it's the world, the flesh, our own struggles with our own selfishness, and the devil. And for anyone who is willing to live for Jesus, there will be pressure from our adversary. If you're willing to live sacrificially for the Great Commission, you're going to suffer and you're going to get hit harder. And the local church that is serious about serving Jesus sacrificially is going to be hit harder. Especially if we're serious about serving Jesus with abandon and joy. On purpose, intentionally choosing to sacrifice and suffer. Sometimes we ask the question, why am I suffering? It's a, it's a valid question. It's asked in the Bible. But there's another question we need to ask. Paul would say we need to ask, why am I not suffering? Because if we are acting out on the love, grace, and truth of Jesus, we're going to suffer. And I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is Remaining in regards to the affliction of Christ. Because the kingdom suffering is not finished until the Great Commission is finished. That's the deeper cost of missions. That's the deeper cost of missions. It's about a Christ-shaped life. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross. J.B. Lightfoot says this, It is a simple matter of fact that the afflictions of every saint, and he adds, and every martyr, and this is, this last century and this century, is the, just ringing it up in, in totals beyond belief of martyrdom for Jesus like no other time in history. Right now it's happening. J.B. Lightfoot says, it is a simple matter of fact that the afflictions of every saint and martyr do add to the afflictions of Christ. 
The church is built up by repeated acts of self-denial by individuals from generation to generation. They continue the work that Christ began. Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. But there's joy in it because not only is there a sense of You know, I care about you. I want to suffer for you. But there's joy in it because, and this is very counterintuitive to us, because there's closeness to Jesus in it. Because simply there is no greater intimacy with Jesus than through suffering. Paul says in verse 29, For the sake of his body... I suffer for the sake of His body, which is the church. He has been declared in the same book. He is the head of the body. And when the body suffers, the head suffers with it. And Christ suffers with us. And we are in union with Christ. And and so many things melt away. And so many less important things find their perspective. And the right pegs that they should be hanging on when we and Christ Suffer on purpose. Sacrifice on purpose for the sake of His name and His gospel and His kingdom. Paul said, or Jesus said to Paul in His conversion on the road to Damascus, that word Damascus has a different meaning right now, doesn't it? Wow! That's where all that stuff's going on right now in the, the revolution. That's where Paul was on the way to that city when Jesus apprehended him with the with the, the, the blinding light and, and knocked him off his horse. And, and what did Jesus say as Paul was the primary persecutor of the church at that time? What did Jesus say to Paul? He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? What did he say? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because I suffer when they suffer. We are together And all my resources, all my grace and love and focus that they need is is theirs through suffering and in their weakness and in their need, probably like no other time, an identification with Jesus, the suffering servant. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Amen. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Amen. And... Hear these words, the fellowship of His suffering. To have closeness with Him in the meaning of life, which is to live out His purposes out loud, demonstrably in the world, in the context of the church. It's beautiful. But i tell you something. The greatest reason that it's worth it is because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And He can be the hope of the people around us too. Let, let me talk about that a little bit. We, let me go back to our sentence. We are willing to sacrifice and suffer, that's the first part, so that others can have the hope of glory, Christ in them, the hope of glory, so that others can come to Christ and grow in Christ. So let's talk about that idea of others so that others can come to Christ and grow in Christ. Verse 25, 
I have become its servant by the commission God gave me in order to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. And he's going to explain what the fullness of the Word of God is now. The Word of God in its fullness is, verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed, open, in the open, now disclosed to all the saints. To them God has chosen to make known, here's the word, among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is defined right here, this mystery which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. What's worse than suffering? Paul simply puts it, it is people not having Christ. That's what's worse than our suffering. It is people not having Christ in them. And groping for that meaning, relationship, beauty, justice. In the playpen of this world, in the immediacy and the, only the physicality and the, the mental things that come from sight, smell, sense, thought, connection with all of the same, without transcendence and without connection and meaning that God the Creator, God the Redeemer gives through this thing called love that is defined by sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave. Yes, what's worse than our suffering is people not having Christ, the hope of glory. Christ in me. Christ in me. You know, we say that real fast. Think about that. Christ in me. I have union with God the Creator through Christ. He is not just for me. He didn't just provide a, a commodity to flip a switch to get me to a different category. Christ is in me. And He is not only in me, He is the hope of glory. He is with me now, and there is heaven waiting for me, and He will lead and provide and love me every step of the way between now and heaven. I mean, do you see the completeness of this grace, this love, this presence? Here's the mystery. Christ can be in you. The hope of glory. And we must live in such a way that they can see Christ in us and hear the gospel from us and know Him as well. Paul says that God's mystery was hidden from ages to ages, but is now revealed. Mysterion, the Greek word there, the mystery of salvation. It's the meaning of verse 25, the Word of God in its fullness. The fullness of the Word is a mystery. An incredible mystery that no one could have guessed. No one would have thought it up. You see, there's no way to God except through the amazing work of God in Christ on our behalf. Totally contrary to worldly thinking about us and God and all the many ways and there's a mountain and all the, all the paths go up the same mountain and arrive at the same God on the mountain and God's an elephant and it depends on what part you're feeling that, that, you know, that everybody's got a sense of God because everybody through anything in any pursuit or religious pursuit or being nice or whatever it is we think can somehow make our way to God. God says, no, I mean, no. I'm a three times holy God and you never would have guessed in a million years. 
fact, it was a mystery. Who would have thought that God would turn the tables? That instead of saying, I'm God, you're a man, you pursue me, we'll see if you get here. God pursued us. Instead of God saying, try to come on up, God came down. Glory came down. Instead of God saying, I'm God, you're man, you serve me. God served us and gave his life as a ransom. It's an incredible thing. And suddenly we understand the meaning of all these sacrifices and all this stuff that, that's going on in generation to generation. And at the fullness of time was born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Christ, the mystery revealed. God born into this world for our salvation. Isn't that incredible? Hidden for generations. Now revealed. Paul says, furthermore, this mystery revealed Christ is for all the people. You see, that's one of the things we didn't get in the Old Testament. We kind of got it in the covenant and you'll be a light to the nations and a blessing to all the nations, but it wasn't really lived out that way and that wasn't brought to the fore. And basically, it is through Christ that it's all peoples, Gentiles, as well as Jews, the rest of the, the whole world, and not just those chosen people from whom the Savior would come. Missions, Gentiles, peoples, nations, redemption through the gospel. And now, basically, Paul says that that, that fullness of the teaching of Scripture was a mystery. And the mystery is Christ. Basically, Paul's saying this. It's an open secret. Meaning, hey, go tell it to everybody. This, in the, this used to be closed. This is an open secret now. Go whisper it in everybody's ear. Go shout it from the mountaintops. Go, go proclaim it at your cubicle at work. Go, go say it out on the playground. Clearly through your life. And through your words, and suffer because of it, on purpose. It's an open secret. But the goal of this, it's so that people can come to know Christ. But I love the fact that Paul actually gets the, the, the layered depth of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. If you'll turn there. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he gets the layers and the depth of the Great Commission because what Paul realizes is exactly what Jesus taught when he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Now go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And Paul would say, and there's going to be a lot of suffering on purpose, hopefully. Somebody suffered for me to have it. You see, the goal of all this isn't just for people to get saved. We want people to get saved, right? The goal, the final goal, is the maturity of the people who are saved to be the church, to continue the ministry from generation to generation. That was given. Go make disciples of all the nations. The, the, the great commission is not just the message. It's the church. 
Make disciples of all the nations. Teach them. Baptize them. Isn't this wonderful? This is like ordinary life. It's like you and I are missionaries. We're in this teaching baptizing situation in the midst of people who need to know Christ. And nothing less than suffering and demonstration of sacrifice and love of them rather than us and love of Christ rather than us is going to do. Because we live in an age of skepticism and they're tired of all our hypocrisy and we are. And they're tired of all our empty words and they should be. We need to repent of seeking our comfort and ease and get in the game of the kingdom of God in a way that actually draws us in even to sacrifice, even to suffer. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Gentiles. Baptizing them, and I said that backwards a minute ago, didn't I? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them what to, to obey whatsoever I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul put it this way in verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, in order that we may present everyone mature in Christ. To this end, verse 29 of our text, to this end, for this goal, I labor. I struggle. But I love these words. With all His energy, which so powerfully works within me. And the Greek word there talks about an animating energy, an animating power of God that is separate from me, that when I give myself to God in His purposes and quit living for me, that there is an energy of God at work in ministry for those who care to care and who care to give and who care to sacrifice and who are even willing to suffer and believe it or not, are even willing to rejoice in it for other people for the church, his body. Let me ask you a question in closing. What is worth suffering in your life? It's, it's a fair question. It's not, I'm not asking, it's not a religious question per se. What is worth suffering for in your life? And I didn't ask you what was important to you. Because all the things we say are important to us certainly are not things we sacrifice for. Hot air. Presbyterian church. Hot air Baptist church. Hot air Methodist church. Hot air church. I didn't ask what's, quote, important to us. I'm asking what this passage is asking. What is worth sacrificing for, even suffering for, really? Is it the kingdom of God? There's a funny little fable that goes something like this, and most of you have heard it, but I'm still going to tell it, about the pig and the chicken who are walking down the road. And the chicken says to the pig, I've got a great idea. We need to start a restaurant together. 
you're a pig, I'm a chicken. We'll start a breakfast restaurant. The pig says, what should we call this restaurant? And, and the chicken says, why don't we call it ham and eggs? And the pig thinks and he says, ham and eggs. I don't think I want to do that because, you see, that requires me to be committed and you're only involved. <laughs> I think that's the question here, is it? I rejoice in my commitment. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. For the sake of his body, the church, I, I rejoice to fill up in my flesh the afflictions remaining in regard to Jesus. Are we committed or are we involved? The deeper cost of missions is nothing less or nothing more than your life for him and sacrifice. With him, the head, and for him, for the sake of his body, the church, and for the sake of Christ in people, the hope of glory.